Happy Wednesday, everybody, and greetings from a snowy today, snowy Boulder, Colorado. Uh, thank you for joining this session. This is the this is the fourth session that we have. I know everybody is going to like say, "Wow, this that was a fast four weeks," and why don't you do some more? But maybe I will, and maybe I will in the future. So again, thank you to the the shift spot session on the revenue enablement series. Um, again, we, um, um, this is the leadership and management driving success session. So that's what we're going to focus on um, today. And the agenda is as follows. We're going to do a brief summary from sessions one, two, three. And one of the driving factors or the, the driving factor I want to do that is in case you were not able to participate in any of those, I think it's uh, um, important and I won't spend a lot of time on each one of those. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the recording or reach out to me directly on, on ShiftSpot if you've got some questions. But each one of those components uh, are, are important and present a, uh, pro, uh, provide a foundation for what we're going to be talking about today and how to move forward in the future. There are um, the challenges facing the uh, leadership and management team from revenue enablement. I want to talk about the team structure, the right people in the right seats, compensation planning, technology stack, uh, objectives of key results, KPIs, what's next and if there's uh time uh, for q a and i just i also want to reiterate that during the session if you have questions uh please please stop me no need to to hold to the to the end of the session so um summary from from session one um again this is uh, a foundation i guess an analogy i like to use is uh you know as you watch a building go up it seems like it takes forever um for that foundation to be in place and you know get that um, get the concrete poured. Um, you get the, the the steel pieces of it in place. This is really what needs to happen um, from the foundational perspective. So, defining your target market. You know which verticals do you want to be in? Your ideal customer profile. Your buyer personas. What does your internal team structure look like? And what that will do is it'll give you that foundation or what I call the blueprint for success. Session two was all about marketing. So uh, the marketing is, um, you know, that's where your lead gen comes from. That's where your content comes from. But again, you can leverage what you did, what we did from the foundational component in session one of those key buyer personas, the target market. Uh, and then from there, you get to develop your content. Um, you know, you want to do the tracking of campaigns and KPIs, and and you'll hear me talk a lot about the KPIs or the OKRs, whichever they're that. In my opinion, they're kind of interchangeable. But if you can't measure it, you can't manage manage it. And from a leadership perspective, you have to manage this to to make changes and course correction. And that um, and the graph you see uh, on the right hand side of the slide. Uh, we we went through each well the majority of those key components such as website such as SEO such as analytics such as marketing automation we went through those in that session number two and what you're seeing here is a visual representation of your assessment and this is where you can say okay wow I need to improve in my um, in a lot of these areas in, in this case so um, what this does is it sets a foundation. Uh, to to move forward from your from your marketing organization. So then in session three, um, we we talked about the the sales and and opportunity management, um, and what what happens there is okay. What what are the results there? Is the um, it's all about the the you know decreased onboarding cycle, um, increased win rate. Improved forecast accuracy, consistent quota integrity, deal uh, revenue integrity. So all of those things are really important. And I, I just uh, I was doing some um, research uh, recently on on these areas, and I, and I, I came across this. If you could see that quote in the in the the lower left, I thought that was pretty darn interesting. So again, look at that with a defined sales process 
at 18% greater revenue growth than companies that do not. So in, the, in that session, um, we talked about the sales process, the sales methodology, the opportunity management. And we also talked about the ability that if you just move um, the needle on your, your close rates by 5%, and if you've got a six-month uh, six sales cycle, um, and, and uh, let's just say $100,000 average selling price, you will create an additional... 50% in revenue per rep. And again, this is the importance of, of uh, the opportunity management and the sales process. So um, that was really session three, which leads us now into, um, okay, I'm just going to talk a little bit about myself here. Um, won't spend much time, but it's like, okay, you know, why should, uh, you know, what's my, what's my credibility? Why should you be listening to me? And I've been doing this for quite some time. And I'm still doing it. And I'm still very involved um, at the CRO level. Uh, so uh, it's just, it, to me, this is, um, uh, if, you, if you look at where I've been and what I've done, a lot of a lot of B2B, I've done some mergers and acquisitions, a lot of SaaS. So again, just kind of setting a foundation. So, uh, you know, why, uh, why you might want to listen to me. Um, this next one here, this customer lifecycle, this is, I, I keep repeating this and why this is important. Again, as you can see, the it's not the classic funnel as you may have seen in the past, but what we've got here is, is really, um, you know, end to end, the full funnel. Uh, we talked about this in our previous sessions as well, and I'll continue to talk about this. This is, again, part of the, the foundational components that you really need to pay attention to. But um, the key takeaway here is that the revenue enablement leader has accountability and responsibility across the entire customer lifecycle. So they have to be they have to be from all the way from lead gen to account management and have the associated resources to fulfill the um, components um, that equate to each part of these sections. So again, the, the selection is mostly sales, awareness and education is mostly marketing, um, onboarding and impact of your services and your CX folks and your your growth will probably be your CX and account management team. So uh, what I want to dive into is because we've labeled this, uh, you know, um, leadership and, and management, and there, there, there is a difference in the two, and I just want to spend a, a couple minutes talking about that. So uh, I'm not going to read this because everybody can read it, but I think it's, uh, it's really important to understand the distinction between the two. This session is really not going to be focused on the philosophical discussion uh, or around these two discussions, what is leadership and what is management, really. It's focused on the challenges that are going to be facing both. And I'm going to conflate these a little bit for this discussion today. Ken, I think we have a, a, our next, uh, our, um, the next series in March is, is going to talk about more leadership and management. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Yep. So again, I don't. This will um, I, the the point of, of these next couple of slides is really just say okay, there is a difference. There's a significant difference, but today's revenue executive, you know, they must have strong traits of leadership in both of, the, uh, of these areas. And then, you know, from a management perspective, there's a revenue operations component that will also assist in in the uh, the delivery of, of of the management, and we'll talk about that as part of the organizational structure. And again, you know, what, what, uh, just at a high level that, uh, you know, leadership is going to be inspire people, lead change, empower people, um, share the vision, right? And, and on, the, uh, on the management side, it's much more so that, you know, management is, is focused on uh, carrying out, you know, really four important functions. That function would be plan, those functions would be, would be planning, organizing, leading and controlling. But again, the, the intent of, of these past couple of slides is just that there is a um, there is a difference between leadership and management. Um, as an executive or an owner or a founder of a company, it's imperative that you be aware of those differentials, but it's also really important to understand that the leader you have will should have um, traits of both. And, and this the discussion for today will really be around why it's important. And, and I will, like I mentioned before, kind of conflate those two for this discussion. Yeah. So let me, let me, uh, 
question there, Jim. So when you look at a uh, a smaller business, let's say, you know, yeah. a lot of times for the, the sales leader role, um, they have somebody that's either a player coach or they're starting to lead and manage, you know, for the first time in their career or one of the first times in their career. Um, and they may not be strong in the leadership category, but might have strengths in the management category. What challenges can that present and how do you augment that? What are some, what are some thoughts to that? Because, you know, to go in and bring in a true CRO or leader, sometimes it, you know, for a smaller business initially, you know, they may or may not be able to do that. So what are your thoughts around that out of the curiosity? Sure. So that's, there's a lot of questions there and hopefully I can remember some most of them. Right. So, so um, first of all, you know, we haven't talked about that much in here, but there is, there are fractional leadership um, offerings where you can, can get that level of, of, of support and very cost effective. But to directly address your question at smaller organizations, yes, it is very unlikely that that you know the, the sales manager um, will have you know significant leadership traits because in a small company, again, that's a pretty expensive resource. Right. And I would I would say that you know, especially as a member of Shift Spot, that uh, you know is in a smaller company that we, that Shift Spot can provide some guidance and and, and uh, uh, suggestions on how to you know work with that more. Um, a less experienced, I guess I would I would call it sales manager type position. You mentioned player coach. I that I've I've been doing this for a long time. That does not work. It just hundred percent. Yeah. So, so let's let's just be clear about that. That um you know do not do not do a player coach. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean maybe you can only afford as as a smaller company. Maybe you can um only afford. You know, like a, a, a the salesperson, and don't call that the sales manager, right? Um, um, but if they've got the sales, and you know, I think you've heard a lot that you know some of the best salespeople they move them into the manager role because they're such a good salesperson, but they're horrible managers or they're horrible leaders. <laughs> so you know, but again, I, I think that the takeaway from that, Ken, is there are fractional executive options out there. Um, I would say leverage the shift spot, that community um, for some guidance on how to work with a, with a less experienced sales manager and don't do the player coach. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I guess it does, it would put more of the burden on the owner, the CEO to actually step into that leadership role until they can actually grow into it and augment that then. Yes, it would. Yeah, yes, okay. it would. All right, perfect. And that, as you can see, that's kind of, oh, you know, working with the leadership and team, that's, or sorry, leadership team and board, you know, that's one of the, uh, one of the issues here that, you know, faces revenue leadership, especially in these smaller organizations, right? So, um, and even in larger ones too. But, uh, you know, I think more importantly is how do you do the, uh, the scalable, repeatable, predictable, and profitable revenue entail enabling right. it? And then, you know, right people, right seats. We're going to talk about that. Um, compensation planning. Compensation planning is, I think you'll see that I've got a little bit different bent on this because of the revenue enablement organization. The, the compensation and bonuses should be tied to all components of the revenue enablement team. And I, I'm seeing that more and more within um, the marketplace as well as my clients. And then um, obviously the, the time, or maybe it's not obvious, but to, to me, uh, I see this time in and time again is like, I can't hire good salespeople and then I can't get them on board fast enough, right? Gotcha. So how do I do, you know, what, what does that look like from a, from a sales enablement perspective? So um, these are, again, we talked about challenges facing the sales, um, just sales. We talked about challenges facing the marketing. Well, there's there's challenges all through that uh, customer lifecycle, but 
at the at the revenue leadership. Here's the here's the five that I see time in and time about. There's probably a list as long as your arm, but I think a lot of these can be rolled up into any of these into these five areas here. So um, this this um, is the really the revenue enablement team structure. I've talked about this a little bit before. But I think that um, as, as we look at it, there's really four distinct components. So there's marketing that goes across the entire customer lifecycle, sales, and we've got, you know, depending on your channels, depending on your size of the organization, you've got direct and channel. Also, uh, there's, a, you know, where do you, depending on the size of your organization, again, and depending on your product, you may want to consider a, a sales development rep or business development rep to help, you know, with lead qualification and let your, you know, more experienced salespeople take it from once it's qualified through the deal. Now, customer success slash account management, um, I think this is uh, this is really important, especially if you've got a SaaS offering. But I could make the argument for, um, you know, professional services or you know any any type of an organization because these people that are doing retention expansion, it's a, really it's a different DNA than it is for your hunters or so to speak. So this is yeah. more the the hunter versus farmer. And then, or as I mentioned earlier, your revenue operations or sales enablement and or sales enablement, the revenue operations will um, do some of the management components. So the, the tech stack management, they can do the training, they can do the onboarding, and, and I'll unpack that uh, a little bit here shortly. Okay, perfect. So again, the, you know, these are the really the, the four key components that I recommend for your revenue enablement structure. And they all, and, and you know, uh, they all report up to that revenue enablement leader, right? So that's the accountability and the responsibility. All those groups report up into that revenue enablement leader. In a small organization, you're like, wow, does that mean I need a, a CMO, a chief sales officer, a VP of marketing, VP of customer success? The answer is, um, I recommend no. Again, you you probably have, uh, and we'll talk about the resources here actually in, in the next uh, in the next slide. But um, you you probably have you know maybe director levels or uh, maybe a sales manager level. Um, but that a lot of that is going to be driven by the size of your organization and, and the revenue components that you're looking for. Okay. So resources, you're like okay. <laughs> Yes, this is the first question is like, especially if you're a small organization, you're like, holy, you know what? Um, I've got, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people in here, right? Um, but as I, you look at this, and then, you know, we talked about this and um, these resources, most of these resources in our prior sessions, but um, from, from marketing, you know, perhaps that, again, depending on the size of your organization, you have the internal versus external conversations. So maybe you only have, you know, some a general marketing resource that can do uh, SEO, SEM, social, or you might want to bring in an agency to help with that, uh, with that, with with your marketing. Which I've, you know, I've I've found that if you work pretty closely with agencies, you can get cost effective as opposed to try and stack your team with a whole bunch of marketing folks. But that's that's something that um, you want to evaluate closely and carefully. Um, also, the um, the sales uh, selling resources too. So the SDRs or BDR, sales development reps, business development reps, sales both direct and channel, and then revenue operations. So you have uh, CX stands for customer experience. Apologize for not spelling that out. But customer experience and account management, um, revenue operations, and then the sales enablement and training is a whole nother area. Um, if you if you're looking at a lot of the press, you've probably seen you know a whole bunch of information about sales enablement. To me, I'm not that fond of the term because everything should be sales enablement at the end of the day, right? So, um, but I think that as you look at training and onboarding and ongoing training, and um, um, that you you have to have some resources again, internal versus external. So I would, you know, I would say a key takeaway of this is yes, it's a, a lengthy resource list um, that you know everybody on there has to be hired, trained, managed, motivated, and compensated correctly. So as as you look at okay, what does my organization look like 
at that, you know, you really need to say, okay, and now does that overline with budget, right? I mean, that's, that's always a key component too. So how do you figure out, okay, here's my budget, here's my revenue. And um, I can't afford, you know, eight, nine, 10 resources, but maybe I can afford one resource here and outsource some of my marketing or outsource some of my training. So there's, there's a lot to take a look at here, but your organization size typically will drive the number of resources, you know, especially relating to marketing, SDRs and, and, and sales enablement. Yeah, so, as far as the budgeting is kind of remembering some of those parameters that you set last week or the week before, what were those just for the uh, folks that might be dialing into this session? Sure. So in general, revenue operations and uh, sorry, revenue enablement, and I'm going to combine all, you know, sales marketing and the revenue ops um, and your answer, Ken, that is somewhere between 18 and 24%. Uh, the higher end is for growth companies, even smaller companies too. So, you know, it is not, and that does include the technology stack as well, which we'll, which we'll talk a little bit about that here shortly. So, but, it, but again, it's, it's in that, you know, um, and it's about maybe 50, 50 ish between marketing and, and sales. So maybe like nine to 10% for marketing and sa- marketing and nine to 10% for sales slash, you know, account management revenue ops. Yeah. Okay. But there's also, but if you look at it, you know, training can be expensive. Again, this depends on the size of your, of your team. And that's why I'm like, you know, I would encourage you to look at if you have, you know, less than. I don't know, even 10, 10 or less, you probably want to do for your training. You probably want to take a look at outsourcing that, quite frankly. I got it. Okay. So the right people are the right seats. We, you, you've heard me talk about this um, uh, before, right? But this is so important and such a key um, challenge, in my opinion, for the, uh, for, for the revenue enablement leader, right? Because right. you have to, you know, you have to look at when I talk about assessments, you you have to look at your current team, right? You can't just say it. And when I talk about this, I mean, your current marketing team, right? Are they hitting their deliverables such as, you know, content? Is their content getting consumed by not only your your, your prospects, but by your sales team, right? Um, what as, as my, uh, you know, okay, my salesperson isn't at their quota. Why aren't they at the quota? What What are the reasons for that? So you need to start, you know, un- unpacking that. And and there's, you know, there's a bunch of these assessments out there, whether it be Predictive Index, Wonderlic, DISC, Objective Management Group, right? It doesn't, I mean, I don't really care, but um, what, what I get from, from a lot of my clients is, is, you know, is it is it worth doing on the hiring side and the development side? My answer is if you've got more than uh, my answer is the short answer is yes. <laughs> but if you've got, um, you know, certainly if you've got, you know, a total of three a total of, let's say, between five and six resources that includes marketing and sales. Uh, you know, how are you going to do your assessments of how these people are, are, are doing? I mean, sales is a little bit easier, obviously, right? They're either a quarter or not. But, you know, I don't think it's um, quite that binary. Um, the, and then, you know, if I look at the hiring, how do I hire my people? Do I use recruiters? I mean, do, uh, you know, if I'm going to use recruiters, I've got to have some sort of a budget for that, right? Even if I use internal recruiting, is that going to be my HR? Is, you know, how much work is done for, from from that too. So uh, again, if I, you know, the, the, this is, you know, only, you know, four bullet points here, but each one of these is a significant effort that needs to be addressed. And when I talk about, you know, um, onboarding, what so many times I've seen, you know, when I, when I, when I come into my clients or, or, or you know, in, in past lives or working with, with people, we're working with organizations like, okay, what is your 30, 60, 90 plan? And that's just, that's for, you know, much more than the salespeople as well, right? I mean, that should be for anybody you bring on and maybe a BDR is only a 60 day plan before you ramp them up, right? Um, but marketing should also have that. And then that ties into, you know, what am I doing from a training or a sales enablement? We talked about this. A, a little bit um, in the past slide is uh, do I want to do it internal versus external? Yeah, something to add. Just uh, I'm sure you know this, but for our our listeners out there and and some of the the owners in in the community, 
assessments are great. I, I preach them. I love to use them, but we also, we want to be cautious in how we do it and, and utilizing assessments because it's, it's a little known fact, but not hiring somebody because of a, an assessment and behavioral assessment of sort can actually get you in legal trouble. So I'd be cautious not to go to somebody and say, Hey, wanted to hire you, but your disc did not come back the way we wanted for you to be in sales. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, a uh, that's a, a very good point. I should have mentioned that. Yeah. Do not use it as a, I've seen people, yeah, do not use it as a be all end all. What I, right. what I want for, for hiring, if I see an assessment, that helps me guide my interviewing yeah. questions, right? Yeah. Um, so. And, then, you know, and, and, you know, from, from, that's what I would say to use it for. Uh, yeah. Cause uh, to you, to your point, I have seen people that, uh, you know, and I've cautioned those executives to say, you know, if you use that, you have to be very careful in your communication. If you're using that as your true guide to go to a next step or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you can use it for your questioning. So somebody is a high D like like me, which I'm, I'm very direct and assertive. Right. You can you could utilize that to formulate some of your questions. Right how they would do uh, and if they would rub people wrong or whatever, right? So you can use that in your questioning, but I just want to, you know, caution people um, on how they use them. Correct. And, and you know, if, if we look at, at, at training, you know, the, and I think that um, that kind of leads me into this next slide. And I know it's a little bit of an eye chart or maybe a lot of an eye chart, but, and you, you, you have the first, uh, you have the first, um, four weeks here, right? So that's the first uh, 30 days and you just kind of build on top of that. But, um, you know, I've, I've, there's a couple other categories in here, but you can see, is there, are there assets available to help them train? You know, the, um, if you, if you look at even, you know, week two, there's, you know, I, I've got some, you know, participate in the weekly sales calls, introduction to value propositions, uh, CRM training, uh, you know, your target accounts, right? So what you, what the, you know, the moral of the story here, the, the, the key takeaway again is, is there a plan in place and who is managing the plan, right? right. right. Um, because again, you know, if, as we all heard, um, bad, you know, bad hires are very expensive and we can really, you can really tell in the 30, 60 day, are they meeting these goals? I mean, there's role plays in here. There's, um, interactions with uh, other salespeople. There's interactions with marketing. Um, I, you know, I like the, the there's listening in on to discovery calls from other reps. So it's a, it's a pretty darn detailed plan that I would encourage, um, irrespective of the size of the organization, even if the um, founder has to do this with his single selling resource, make it happen. Yeah. Know? If, if there's not a clear, distinct plan, you're not going to have a clear, distinct outcome. Well, yeah, you will have a, an outcome and an outcome is going to be less than desirable. Yeah, the outcome may not meet your expectations, but Correct. we look at ourselves once that happens. So, yes. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, is when we talk about, you know, content and sales enablement, uh, we talked about content and marketing. This will also um, assist you in building some of that content. You can see that. Um, in this case, there was a, a, a lot of uh, available content and, you know, what it does when I go through this too, um, set these plans up, I'm like, oh, you know, we, we don't have some content here. So you want to work with your marketing organization to create some training content or your training organization to create the training content as well. Right. Cool. Okay. So uh, now the fun part, right? The compensation planning. Um, that that this this could be an entire session in and of itself, and um, and and to try and boil it down into into five or, or ten minutes is a little bit challenging, but I'll do my best here. So um, I think you have to start with uh, what are the attainable revenue goals, and we're talking about for the entire organization. So let's say I've got a five million dollar bogey, right? Well, I think everybody across the entire revenue enablement has to have skin in the game. So what does that mean? So skin in the game for marketing means, you know, you've, you've done this work before to set up your marketing organization. So their KPI is probably going to be, you know, um, marketing qualified leads, how much, you know, good content, right? Um, so, uh, but, you know, and this is also some of a challenge where I've seen with um, the, you know, the, the leaders of the organization, 
um, saying, okay, you know, great, you got a $5 million quota, um, but you've only got four salespeople with um, $1.25 million quotas each, right? Well, that's not going to work. You know, you're not going to see each of those salespeople hitting 100%. Right. right. There, there's what's called an over assignment. And this may be a term that people are familiar with. So let's well, say, honestly, a lot of owners, I mean, are not familiar with that. Uh, okay. So actually, I would talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the best practices, at least the companies I've worked with, you know, they, they struggle and they're like, well, wow, we just lost a sales rep. I don't know how we're ever going to hit our numbers this year, right? And, uh, you know, the, the sales team has 10 million in quota and the company has 10 million in quota. But yeah, that I would actually explain that a little bit. Sure, uh, happy happy to un unpack that. Let, let's, well, let's take your example of, of, let's say we've got a $10 million nut, right? And I've got 10 salespeople with a million dollars each, right? So, in um, my recommendation, because you want an over-assignment, you want an over-assignment to the VP level of at least 15%, um, and, and maybe in general, um, 20%. So what does that mean? So that means that the um, that I'd really have 10 salespeople that had um, $1.2 million of quota for a total quota of $12 million. So uh, you, know, you need an over-assignment in that 20 to 25% range. Because I think if you, if because to your point, Ken, if like you know, with ten salespeople, you probably are gonna, you're probably gonna lose one. You're probably only gonna have seven that are at quota, right? So I mean, as you plan quotas, I think that the the kind of the magic number is. I don't know what you've seen, but the magic number I've seen is is you have maybe seventy five percent quota attainment, right? Yeah. Total? Yeah. So right. this is why you know if you do seventy five and twenty five, that's the you know, that with an over assignment there that you, you should be able to hit your revenue goals, right? Right. So okay, my, 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 go, my, if you have no over assignment at 10 million, you, you know, you're not going to make your number. I can tell you that right now. Oh, yeah. well, I, I would say the probability of making that number is incredibly low. Yep, agreed. Incredibly low. So again, the, the concept of over assignment is, um, just uh, increase your, you know, increase your target revenue by 20 to 25% and pass that assignment over assignment to the, to the reps. Does that answer your question? Yep, definitely does. Appreciate it. Just mitigates the risk for the owner, right? So that's a good way to put it. Yep. So for, for marketing, what I, what I like to do is, is, you know, have a bonus compensation um, um, tied into to their plan because, um, and this is not a shot at any CMO, but, you know, for, you know, as I said, in both the CMO seat and the uh, chief marketing officer seat and the chief sales officer seat, it's rare that the chief marketing officer gets fired for not meeting the quota, right? <laughs> um, but, but I, so, but I would say that, that, you know, why not create some sort of a bonus structure tied into the overall um, revenue goals, right? So if you exceed your lead goals and exceed your revenue attainment from the team, that, that you know you should be bonused accordingly, and what that specific looks like is, is um, you know that that is probably again, and that maybe ten to fifteen percent overall bonus. But the as you're building your financial compensation models, you need you. I'm I'm recommending you keep that in mind, so you, you know what that looks like. So sales is typically pretty darn easy, right? You 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 count them on um, net new logos for for salespeople. Um, whether that's channel or indirect, but one one of the takeaways here that I'd like to mention is I'm a big fan of of tiering compensation. So what does that mean? So let's say the comp let's let's say the quota is a million dollars, and at um, you know at, a, at on 100% of quota they get um, 10 10%. I'm just going to make these numbers up, right? So 10%. Um, so at at 50% of quota they should not be getting 10% of the uh, of of their, you know, they should not be receiving the quota compensation levels at 50% of quota that they should, they get at 100% of quota. That's what I mean by having tiered compensation. So it may, if they're fit, you know, and I also advocate that if they're below 60% of revenue attainment, they don't get any compensation. They don't, sorry, sorry. They don't get any commission. They don't get any commission. And then it's tiered accordingly. And then if they exceed their, their, uh, their, their quota, you also, you know, have it, you know, maybe 
uh, tiers at 110% of uh, commission, 115% of commission. So again, that's that's what I mean by tiered tiered commission. So for um, CX and account management, for what, what the things you want to focus on is you want to focus on account growth. And when I talk about account growth, that's net new revenue within an account. Um, for for SaaS, it's it's renewal, but there should be renewal and um, renewal and um, account growth in that as well. And then you want to try, you know, you want to minimize your churn. And in the SaaS world, it's pretty easy to, you know, pretty easy to turn on, and it's almost as easy to turn off too. So you want these people focused on um, how how you can reduce the churn as well as growth, right? So it's a little bit of a balancing act. So that's why I advocate, even in smaller organizations, that you know maybe one of your professional service or delivery folks moves into that account management role. And also that may be a good path um, for that account manager to go in, into a sales role as well. So you, you have some account growth and some account promotion from that CX, possibly from the CX to the sales uh, salesperson too. And you, have, you could have a similar model if you have a BDR that those BDRs may be able to train um, to salespeople, but that could be a little tricky. And then if we look at revenue operations, um, these people are, you know, they could be involved in training. They could be involved with a technology stack. Um, but there, again, I think there's a bonus uh, tied to overall revenue enablement to have everybody pulling in the same direction. So kind of the, um, you know, the key takeaway here is um, this is really, um, you know, compensation drives behavior. You know, people always make uh, I, don't know, I don't know if it's making fun, but the comment is, yeah, salespeople are coin driven. Right. And that's OK. That's not a that's not a bad thing because a lot of them are motivated back by by you know um, by making uh, you know making their comp plans and making good money. But I think if everybody is, it gets a bonus for overall revenue attainment in, in, in addition to the salespeople, that makes for a, a, a lot tighter organization in general. Yeah, you know, just a couple other like real quick like best practices that uh, I I like to see in in sales compensation plans specifically is don't do anything in perpetuity, right? So meaning that I see a lot of owners say, hey, if you come on board and work with us, you know, we'll pay you 10% of everything. Well, guess what? This year, you know, maybe your average deal is, you know, 500 bucks, but then you start to build things up and then suddenly your average deal is a half a million. Do you really want to pay out that amount? Do you need to pay out that amount? So, you know, I'd say that's one thing. And then another thing is, annualize it right make it make it flexible so every year the company can adjust uh, the compensation plan based upon the needs of the compensation plan and then another thing you know i like to advise is have some fine print in there that says the company may adjust and tweak the compensation plan as it deems and sees necessary right doesn't mean that we're we're you know doing it every week or every month but if some weird anomaly happens or we acquire somebody or whatever we need an out to absorb that and address that so those are some other things that i, I like yeah, yeah. And i mean i would i wouldn't say it's even such fine print either right <laughs> you know um, but you want to have some stability in your compensation plans too on the other hand right but right the, but that reminds me that you you also have okay you know, for these SaaS deals, do you bonus them in years two or three? If they left, like, let's say they sign a five-year contract, would you bonus the salesperson for all five years? In general best practices, the answer is no. Right, right. You might want to, you might want to, you know, let's say your typical contract is, is three years and they sign a five-year, then I think something like that, you could put some extra, you know, extra bonus, maybe a small percentage in year two or year three too. So yeah. like I said, there's, you know, we could, we could continue to talk about this for kind of the rest of the yeah. rest of the day almost. Right. Yeah. So, but yes, uh, the, you know, you need to change it. I do make mine, all of mine on, you know, an annualized basis um, with, you know, with, I do, I do quarterly reviews as well. So cool. Awesome. Okay. Now the fun part, right? <laughs> The, the 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 technology so in here i, I um you know we talked a little about our crms um, last time we talked about don't overcomplicate it right 
Um, but I think that, you know, and, and here's another chunk that can add up to a, a lot of money, right? So this is really a challenge, I think, for smaller organizations. But I think that, you know, there's some pretty good solutions out there. Um, you know, you see HubSpot on here several times. And, you know, I, as I mentioned last time, and I'll mention this time that I don't, I don't care as much what it is, as long as you're utilizing it. And more importantly, as long as it's a tool for the salespeople. Yep. You know, we, we're talking about KPIs here for the leadership team, but if it's not easy for the salesperson here as the, as the revenue leader, you're going to get trash out of there as well, right? Yeah. So, but I think if you said, okay, you know, as a smaller organization, I certainly have to have, uh, you know, my website, you know, the CMS around the website, I've certainly got to have some sort of a CRM and probably some sort of a marketing, right? And I've, I've seen, you know, co companies that have just got a, um, you know, a series A or a series B be overly enamored with the sales, you know, with the technology pieces of it and think the technology is going to do all the selling for them, right? That is also a recipe for disaster. <laughs> and then you have to have somebody that supports this technology too, as importantly, right? And in a small organization, who does that? Maybe you've got some IT guy that does that. I mean, I'm a little bit of a technology geek. So I like to, you know, I like to keep my pulse on, you know, some of these, uh, um, some of these technologies and I can configure some of those, but, you know, once you get more than like five or six salespeople, that just, you know, you need to look at, and, and your marketing people, you need to look at a, a resource to help manage that, right? And it's it comes up to be a pretty big chunk of money, but you know, I just I found some another uh, uh, another interesting um, survey from Bain around CRMs. It says, according to Bain and Company, sixty two percent of the survey respondents said their ROI on their CM fell short of expectations. Right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, that's just the CRM, but but that is you know a, a very important and critical component of you know of your technology stack so again yeah. the, the you know the takeaway is there's a couple of key takeaways first of all um don't get you know you hear this everything about sales artificial intelligence and lead generation you just need to be as a sales leader uh, you need to be very cognizant about that spend you know the amount of time that you need to um, uh, keep maintaining it right and, and the utilization by your team, right? Both the sales, marketing, and account management team, right? Don't overcomplicate it, but you have to have some components. So, I mean, I've seen some, some great, you know, um, sales engagement like outreach or sales loft work really well, right? But my, I would also make the argument that you can probably get, you know, a lot of that um, through HubSpot as well, <laughs> where yeah. you just eliminated an, another technology component. So. Yeah. You know, spend spend the time. You know, to really to to look at the existing technology stack and to you know make decisions because at the end, if we do have time, I just, I, I love to cycle through a couple of these G two graphs where they have like there's a you know it, it just there's like literally dozens of each one of these areas that you can choose from, right? right. <laughs> dozens, and it's like okay, um, what works best for me? So again, take the time to evaluate. Um, if you've got somebody in revenue operations, you know, what are their skill sets? Are their skill sets in, in outreach? Are their skill sets in gong or course, right? So it, it's kind of, you know, connecting all these dots is not easy. So, but it's, yeah. it's you know, easy. and to add to that CRM expectations stat that you gave, you know, in, in my opinion, the two reasons, the two primary reasons people don't meet their expectations are that one, they have no, um, uh, you know, strategy to go through change management and adopt and, um, you know, this this new application, regardless of what, what it is, CRM, ERP, right? So they're lacking from that. Um, and, and two, uh, they didn't really do a very good job of gathering the business requirements and executing the business requirements in a methodical way where it had all the key stakeholders involved. Right. So I think I think too too many people, you know, they get the CRM and they're like, hey, let's just roll it out. Oh, it's easy. Hey, sales guy, go do this. You know, yeah. go do that. And then they're wondering, like, why, why is our adoption rate low? Why do I not get the reports I want and everything? So those are the two things I've seen that that that, that lead to failure and missed expectations. Yeah, that's I mean, I didn't um 
it's it's uh, <laughs> kind of hard to mush all this down into <laughs> an, hour, an hour when almost every one of these slides could cover you yeah. know an hour but um to your point about change management and, and the business requirements right and and you know getting you know i don't want to get like all stakeholders involved right but you know you certainly need you know who's going to be your end user you know how does marketing use it so that's a good point is like the the business requirements and then if you are making a change you know how do you make that change effectively right yeah yeah and all these crms have a a, a some sort of template to help you onboard and 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 draw out the requirements as well so just a lot of people don't use it so. yeah and, and you know for those who are using other crms if they're not on there that wasn't a uh, you know, a purposeful omission, right? right. I, said, I could have, you know, there, this could be filled with it. And, and like I said, if we have a couple minutes at the end, I'll just show you. I showed them in the last time we were like, holy cow, there's that many of those out there? Exactly. <laughs> the answer is yes, there are. So we talked, you know, I want to go um, KPIs, right? Talk a little bit about the, the, the KPIs. And, um, you know, in that same HBR article, I, I just, I kind of like some of these quotes because it's just not me saying it, right? So 44% um, of executives think that their organization is ineffective in pipeline management. 44% of executives. That's insane. It is. <laughs> it's like... Ah, and so you know, you as I talked earlier about the challenges of the uh, of the of, of the um, revenue enablement leader, right? Is like, okay, how can you convince the you know those forty four percent forty four percent that you 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 do know what you're talking about? Your team is doing the right things, right? right. Um, and, and you know, um, you know, you are following the methodology and the sales process and the lead process, but. I think Ken, you and I were talking about leading ind indicators and lagging indicators um, last time. So I actually wanted to kind of highlight that because I think Perfect. it's pretty, pretty, pretty important, right? So, um, you know, what what are you know a couple examples are um, number of new MQLs per week, marketing qualified leads, uh, number of new contacts and meetings and target accounts, number of new qualified opportunities per month. Those those are really um, leading indicators. And, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, people say, well, we've had, you know, hundreds of people visit our website. And I'm like, well, that's nice, but how many MQLs did that give you? So, you know, I, that is, to me, that's a vanity metric that's somewhat useful, but um, not helpful, right? right. So, so uh, and then lagging indicators are, you know, booking uh, deals closed per month, um, time to quota for new selling resources. Those are those are lagging indicators. And there's a lot more, right? And and you know these CRMs that we talked about. You know this is this is just a um, the the one on the left is, is just a, you know here's the current um, forecast quarter um, opportunity based on where we are in the sales cycle, right? So you know this is this ties into as the revenue um, leader. You look at inspection, right? So like, geez, I've got you know all these that are in stage two of the technical call, and a couple of these have been here for you know a lot longer than we normally see, right? So yeah. that comes back to you know how do you how do you manage the pipeline? That has to do with your you know how you're coaching people, what you're doing for your weekly cadence, how you're looking at that, right? And then you also want to look at maybe, you know, previous quarter and current quarter um, converted leads, right? So that's, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a kind of a laggy metric, but a very important metric too. So um, I, I think that that's, you know, again, that, you know, that, that takeaway is, okay, you know, um, you as the revenue enablement leader uh, want to make sure that like, um, all your all your executives um, strongly believe and you've shown that you can effectively manage your pipeline and how you do that. Yep. So kind of um, as, as we come to the to the to the summary of, of this particular session. Um, sorry. Oh, there's one more thing here. I just I, I love these. I love these HBR things. So sorry about that. I just looking at my notes and here's another good one, too. So companies with effective pipeline management. At an average growth rate of um, of five point three percent, a fifteen percent increase over um, companies that don't use uh, effective pipeline management. So, fifteen percent greater increase of people with effective pipeline management over Makes companies sense. that don't. Yeah. So the, these no, and then um, you know the companies that master like you know these pipeline practices, twenty eight percent higher revenue growth. This is from HBR. Wow. So this is this is why you'll hear me talk about this time and time again. So, okay, is, is the revenue leader 
you know, what, 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 where do I, what do I ask myself these questions? And even as the, um, even as the, the founder for the smallest organizations, like we referred to before, you know, is your annual revenue plan realistic? You know, I've, I've, I've seen some CEOs that say, okay, you know, I've got to have this much revenue. And I'm like, okay, I'm happy for you, but I'm sorry. I, you know, we don't have the resources or capabilities to sell that. It's yeah. going to be contentious, but you know, I'll, I've walked away from these things because, you're setting not only you up for, for failure, but everybody on your team, right? I mean, yeah, you want to set when a real, there's a difference between realistic and a slam dunk, right, Ken? So, I mean, you want it to be a stretch, but you, you want to use some, you know, the market trends and what you've done in the past and your quota assignments, right? But, you know, you don't want to say, okay, I, I need this, and but there's no way I can, everybody's got to be at 110% of my quota to get there. It's just not going to happen, right? Um, what level of support does revenue enablement um you know, leadership have from the CEO and the CFO. Some of those numbers I just cited, if, if you do the foundational work that we've been talking about for the last month, you will have a very high level of support from the CEO and CFO. I can assure you of that. I mean, it's a lot of work to get there, but, you know, if you're doing sales process, MQLs, target markets, right, and you're doing all those, all those things, I mean, there is no silver bullet. Uh, you know, that I think we all know that now. But the chessboard. So what's, that, what's that, Ken? I said it's a chessboard. There's a lot going on. You, you gotta, you gotta, correct. Tune all the pieces and parts to get the results you want. So, correct. The right resources in the right place. The technology stack. Uh, you know, uh, um, your KPIs and, and OKRs address leading and, and lagging indicators. And then, you know, does your compensation plan they drive success for the whole team? Yep. So I, I think that that's you know the. Um, you know, without all these foundations in, in place that, um, you know, the, the likelihood of, of overall success is, is, is quite low with all that we put in, you know, what we've talked about over the, the last, you know, four weeks. And if you only had a chance to join today, um, you know, there's a couple summary slides in there, but I'm happy to, if you feel free to reach out to me on ShiftSpot and happy to do um, a deeper dive sessions. Uh, so, but again, I think that uh, in, in summary is the, is the um, you know, if you're looking at these, if you've done all your foundation work, you know, it's not going to be easy, but you at least you'll have a plan in place and the right resources to do that. Um, and so your, your odds of success are much greater. So awesome. that, Ken, any questions? I'd like to wrap this up today. No, no, no. I mean, this was outstanding, Jim. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of topics here that we could go in even much deeper. Um, I, I wouldn't mind actually, you know, doing a podcast or two on some of these topics that you might be really passionate about and talking through them even deeper on specific areas, right? I'd, so, I'd be I'd be happy to do that. And I, I hope it comes across that I'm pretty passionate about this. Yeah, it definitely um, does. I, I even had hair at one point in time when I started doing this. <laughs> so, so, well, listen, you're a, you're a valuable asset and team member in the uh, the shift spot community. We appreciate everything you you do, and uh, excited to grow this thing with you. And uh, you know, for the founders and CEOs listening or or log in here and take a look. Um, you know, please ping Jim in, in the community or externally as well. And uh, you know. Appreciate everything you bring to the table, Jim. Okay, thank you, Ken.